All right, are you ready for God's word this morning? Why don't you turn with me to Acts, uh, Acts chapter one, Acts chapter one. And last, we're kind of in a, in a, in a short series we do every year called I Heart My Church. And this year I'm doing it a little different because a lot of times when we do I Heart My Church, um, I'll talk about our vision and I'll talk about our values and, and, and kind of get everyone refocused on that. And, and, and to some degree, I did that last week and gave you an update. Uh, just continue praying again. And, you know, we, we should be turning dirt here in a few weeks on the property, and we're excited about that. We'll keep you posted on that. Once we do that, we need about $2 million uh, so that we don't have to stop, so we can go ahead and build the building. And so if you'll just keep giving, keep praying, keep believing, right? Come on, Steve Perry, you're going to have to sing, Don't Stop Believing. The great psalmist, Steve Perry, <laughs> right? Don't Stop Believing. And, uh, and so we want to do it all cash is our is our plan so um so anyway so so lots of cool things and i shared some things last week um but really i felt like the holy spirit is, is just leading me a little bit differently this year and the reason and, and so i actually last week ended up talking about really the power and presence of god in our lives and i uh, felt like that's we talked about how jesus was led into the wilderness we all here last week we talked about how jesus was led into the, by the way if you missed it you can watch it on youtube you can watch listen on the podcast but jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness but then he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I talked about how we really need the power of the Holy Spirit. And to me, having a great vision, having a great mission is great. But if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and we talked about that, that a lot of times in church, we talk, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and we talk about being led by the Spirit. Um, and then if someone starts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody gets uncomfortable. And it's like, are they going to say words in the Bible that I don't like? Like to me, I think you can split a church with the T words, tongue and tithe. If you say tongues, you divided the church, you say tithe, you divided the church. I don't know why T words are so powerful, but, but, um, but, but we talked about the fact that, that, that we need God's presence and power. And for me, I feel like God wants us to do some things this year uh, that are new to us. And we're talking about outreach efforts. And, and we've always given, in fact, last year, praise God, you gave over $180,000 away last year. And so we celebrate that. And uh, we, 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 we uh, pr- provide for and help uh, Ministries all over the world, and 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 then all throughout our community. Every every week, we are helping uh, our you are together, and and so and then and then there's so much that we want to do, and so much we are doing. And this year, we just feel like God wants us to take our our outreach efforts to a whole new level. And 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 by by this, we have always been generous. We are a generous church. We we give beyond ten uh, percent of what comes in every, every, every year, we give more than that away. And so we're, we're very generous as a church. We always have been. Um, but, but I think there's, there's a time where you give, we always gave because we didn't have the manpower to go. And this year we feel more from the Lord, it's time to go. And so we're going to be encouraging our life groups to get involved in outreach. Uh, We've got some leaders that are being raised up in the church to lead outreach efforts. And so we'll be letting you know, but here's, here's what I know from the Bible is that there's a time when you're led by the Holy Spirit, and there's a, there's a place for the fruits of the Holy Spirit, um, but but if you're really going to do what God's called you to do, if you're going to go outside of the church, then you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just felt like as we talk about I Heart My Church, and, and we talk about God's church and our mission together, um, that this year, what I felt like the Lord's led me to is to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I like doing that because I basically like making everyone nervous. 
right? Like, I mean, I, you know, so, so whether we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about giving, like, I just don't care because it's in the Bible. My job is to preach the Bible. And if you don't like hearing the Bible, find a church where they don't preach all of it. They're, they're out there. You can, in fact, you can just make your own version up. The only problem with that is the Bible says anyone who adds to or takes away from God's word will basically burn in fire for all eternity. So me, I'm just going to take it as it is. I'll take table of contents, maps, right? You know what I'm saying? Concordance. I'm just going to take, if it's between the leather covers, I'm just going to go with it, uh, right? Because I've seen, I've read the warning, right? Warning labels. I've read the warning label. <laughs> anyway, so, so we're in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, so, so what's going on in, in Acts chapter 1? Well, we get the book of Acts from a man named Luke. Luke was a follower, a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus, uh, wasn't uh, one of the 12. But he was a follower of Jesus. He, he's an associate of Paul. We know he's a physician. He actually writes um, uh, as much of the New Testament, if not just a little bit more of the New Testament, than the Apostle Paul. But he does it in two books. So he was long-winded, and, and for that I can... We are, we are, we're a brotherhood. And so, um, and so all the guests are like, what do you mean? You'll see. Cause <laughs> you'll see. Cause if you're expecting this to be 25 minutes, just buckle in. Um, and so, but, but he writes this, this really essentially in the beginning, Luke and Acts were one, one cohesive work. Uh, it, it was really divided into the second part. This book of Acts was, uh, is written by Luke. And so it's the it's the second second installment of a two part work or, or or two part series, and so what's going on in Acts chapter one? Well, Jesus uh, was raised from the dead about forty days ago. In fact, exactly forty days ago, uh, from the text that we're going to read. Um, in that time, what was Jesus doing for forty days when he was raised from the dead? Well, he wasn't actually all up in heaven. He was actually wandering around. In fact, he was appearing to people. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, uh, he's telling the Corinthians, he said, remember that time that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time? And, and, and so Jesus is appearing to make sure that people get the message, ha ha, not in the tomb, right? You know, not there anymore, right? I'm risen and I'm walking around. And, and, um, and he's also teaching them about the kingdom of God. And so he's doing some serious Obi-Wan stuff, right? I mean, he is showing up to the disciples. He is walking through walls. He's saying, use the force, right? I mean, he's, he, is, he, is, he is teaching them about the kingdom, which was congruent with what he had already taught them before he'd gone to the cross, that he was essentially going to restore God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign. We talked some about this last week. Over the planet, he's going to restore God's reign over the earth, and, and that he was going to do that by laying down his life. And that would actually, uh, that would actually bring him to the place of being the Messiah. That he was the Messiah, but this is how he was going to restore God's kingdom to earth. And so now, 40 days after the resurrection, he has his, his trusty followers. They're on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is giving them one last talk, Luke says, about the kingdom. And he's explaining the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about the, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is going to, to come to them and, and how God's presence would actually fill them. 
And uh, this wasn't, by the way, a new concept. This was prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. If you read Isaiah, if you read Ezekiel, if you read the book of Joel, he's just telling them what, what was already in the Bible, that, that these prophets prophesied that God's spirit would fill a new temple, a new temple. Paul tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So it would fill a new temple and it would transform the hearts of God's people. And so he's telling them essentially what was prophesied. This is not necessarily new information, but, but he's bringing it back to them and that the, the, the presence of God with them would empower them to do what he had commanded them to do, which was to take his kingdom and the message of his kingdom to the whole world. And so he is, he is telling them this on the Mount of Olives and all of a sudden he hops in a cloud and he is taken up and then they're, they're still standing there He's gone. We don't know how long they stood there. And finally, we have to send an angelic messenger. Hey, psst, hey boys, hey boys. What y'all doing here? Why don't y'all head back to Jerusalem? And so they leave the Mount of Olives and cross the Kidron Valley and back into about a half a mile, back into Jerusalem where they get into this upper room, right? And so this is what happens in Acts chapter one. We're gonna jump to verse four. It says, on, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and said, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has said in his own authority, verse 8, but you receive power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, why do we need that power? So you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, I call this message, and, and I went back to my video. I have boys that play video games. So, so just to give you a context, and, and I grew up playing video games. So I call this message, you need the power up. You need the power. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your church. Thank you that we are here in your presence to, to learn, to understand, to see, and, and to hear, to perceive. Um, God, this is not just a, a religious opportunity. It's not just a religious meeting. Um, but God, we are here to read your words of life. We are here to be transformed in your presence. And we are here, God, to encounter you in a way that would cause us to, to change, to be transformed and to never be the same. And so God, we just, with our faith, with our expectation, we're not sitting in another church service. We're sitting in your presence and we're asking you to speak to us in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. So I grew up playing video games. First video game, first console system I had was an Atari. Any Atari people? Any Atari people? Remember Pong? Boom. You know, and then you get it, you know, anyways, um, this is awesome. Um, my first experience with power-ups in video games, actually, ironically, was a game called Pac-Man. I remember Pac-Man? You were basically, I don't know what Pac-Man really was. Does anybody know what Pac-Man? He was a circle. He was a piece of cheese that, that ate stuff, right? And he, he ate little pellets, Right? But, but, and then he had these ghosts. Why ghosts? Don't know. Had ghosts chasing him, right? But, but, but if he got into the corners, there were these power pellets, right? 
they, there were these, the, right? They, they, they were pack pellets and power pellets. And these big power pellets were power-ups. And they would make Pac-Man invincible where he could go eat the ghosts, right? Are you with me? And so this is my first experience with power-ups. It was almost impossible to win Pac-Man if you didn't use the power-ups, right? And then we graduated later on to a Nintendo Entertainment System, NES. How many any, any NES people? I know we, as, as we go on in the services and the, the, you know, people get younger, I know all of this will make more sense even then. But NES people, and then we had this guy named Mario. He was a plumber, had a, had a brother named Luigi. And somehow they fell down a pipe and a princess got taken by some turtle looking dragon thing called Bowser who could breathe fire, right? And, and, and you embarked on, on, on this adventure to save the princess, right? But, but you would have to eat mushrooms. Now, they didn't make you trip out. It wasn't that kind of mushroom. But they didn't make you bigger. Or maybe they made Mario think he was bigger. Who really knows, right? And so, and so anyways, you, but you needed mushrooms. And then you get the fire where you could throw fire, right? And then there was the star man, right? And as long as the music played fast, you were invincible, Right? I mean, it, it, it was, it's, uh, the, the way video games were created and the way they still are created, because I play Super Smash Brothers uh, with, with, with my kids now. And they're like, Dad, you got to get, and I don't understand the power-ups really. And I, I kind of do the thing that I used to do years ago. I just smash all the buttons really fast and hope I hurt somebody, right? And so, and so um, but they're like, Dad, you got to get them. this power-up is going to help you. It's going to blow everybody up. I'm like, well, if we blow everybody up, you got to have it. You know, sign me up for two, right? And, and so, because I, it's in, with most games, it's impossible to win if you don't make use of the power-ups, right? Same, same thing. Like Metro, you had to have the ice gun if you were going to win. There's no way to win without the ice, ice ray, right? I mean, Contra, you know, left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, B, A, B, A, start, right? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, B, A, A, start, right? That's how you get like 80 men in Contra. I'm helping you. Right? Does anybody not remember that? And so, so anyways, but most games, it's impossible, impossible to win without the power of it. And as I was reading this scripture, I was reading this scripture, and, and, I, and I realized Jesus placed such, such an importance. Like he said, now he had already told them that their mission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Their, their mission, the commission, the great commission. But, but then he says, hey, do not leave here. Now, he has given them the most important mission that he could ever give anyone. Same mission, by the way, he's given our church, uh, given us. Yet, with, with the importance and the magnitude and the gravity of that mission, Jesus looks at them and says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you get the power up. Now, what that tells me is one of two things, one of two things. Either A, it would be, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to do the mission without receiving the Holy Spirit, or B, it's going to be impossible to do the mission without the Holy Spirit. It, it tells me one of two things, because he didn't, he didn't make it optional. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He, he didn't say, hey, you know what? Here's what I want you to think about. Um, you know, you could wait if you wanted to. I've, I've got a power up for you. But you can try it. You can go ahead if you don't want to wait on that. He didn't give them an option. He said, do not leave. 
It's a command. Do not leave until you receive the promise, the gift that my father wants you to have. Don't leave. It tells me that either it's going to be really hard to do the mission without this or it's going to be impossible. And either of which, I think, make a strong case for understanding what is he talking about. I need, this is something I need to understand. This is no longer optional. Like, well, our doctrine doesn't really discuss this. Well, I get that. But it's in the Bible and it's in red letters. And it seems to have a lot of importance to it. And it seems to be tied to our success or the success of our mission. And because of that, then we, it's, sometimes it's our understanding to, to under, sometimes it's our, let me help you with something. It's actually your under, it's actually your responsibility to understand what Jesus said. It is not a denomination or a church's responsibility to make you understand it. Right? That we have to own our own faith in relationship with Jesus. Right? And, and here's, I'll say this. You should question everything that I said. You should question everything that I say today. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not here to, to serve you Kool-Aid and, and wrench your minds out. I'm here to preach the gospel based on, on my understanding of revelation. But go ahead, try it. Test the spirits. Get in the word of God. Dig and learn for yourself. I never forget. I said something in a message one time and a guy left the church and he called me. He said, Pastor, I've grown up my whole life believing in, in, in things were this way. And, and you said they're this way. And, and it was really, to me, it, it had nothing to do with, with, with the, the main thrust of the gospel, if you will. But I, I told him, I said, hey, I understand that's what the denomination you grew up in taught you. But have you ever studied it for yourself? Because, see, I grew up in the same denomination this gentleman grew up in. But then I studied it for myself. And I said, at the end of my prayer and studying over years, th- this is what I believe Right? Like I grew up believing a fat man came down a chimney and delivered presents once a year. But that doesn't really happen because I'm grown now and I know who buys the presents. Are you? So I'm just saying we have to take responsibility for our faith. We have to take responsibility to, to learn and to, to understand and let the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, let him teach us. And so we have to understand this. And so four things that I, that I want you to write down as we discuss this together. And I'm probably going to make a lot of messes this week that I'll have to clean up next week, but that's okay because that's my plan. See, that was my plan when I came in here today was to mess stuff up and fix it next week, right? And so um, write this down. The creator of life offers a power up for all users. I think that's where we have to start. Is, is that Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for the gift my father promised. In other words, what he's saying is my father has promised you a gift. Now, what do we know about the father? That he only gives good gifts. You are good and do only good. We, we know this from the teachings of Jesus that God only gives good gifts. God doesn't give bad stuff right? We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but Luke 11 says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will my father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's good. He gives only good things. So, so if Jesus is telling us to wait, he's not telling us to wait on something we need to be scared of. Scared of. <laughs> Sorry, I totally went hick on that one. Scared? Are you a scared of it? Um, it's <laughs> 
something, he's not telling us something we need to be scared of or something we need to be ashamed of, right? He's, he's telling us. And, and can I tell you, when it comes to the, the person of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit, and even what the Bible refers to as a baptism in the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is fear, right? And, and he actually has put like scarecrows up right? To, to scare you away. That's what, you know, you put a scarecrow up, it scares you away. You know, they stuff the straw in the, in the, in the pants and the shirt and the hat and, and it keeps the, the crows from coming into the corn, right? To, to what's good, to the good food. And so we put scarecrows up and that scarecrow could be Christian television, not all of it, but something you saw in there, a church experience you had, you know, and, 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 and you thought, oh, the Holy Spirit, like you may have been taught growing up, stay away from the people who talk about the Holy Spirit. Like they're weird, those weird people who talk about the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit does weird things. He will make you bark like a dog. Listen, anytime you see silly stuff like that in the Bible, barking like dogs and animals and stuff like that, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was demonic possession. Like let's just call it what it was in the Bible, right? And and so, but but yet in some places, I actually read this, in some places to scare crows off, they will take a dead crow and hang it upside down. And the crows come in and think, oh my God, look at that crow. He doesn't look so well. If I hang out here, I might look like that crow. I think the devil does the same with well-intentioned believers. You know, it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit makes you crazy. They were crazy, and then they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and now they're crazy with the Holy Spirit, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, and you look at them, and you think, oh, my God, if I hang out here, I might act like that. But Paul tells the Corinthians something that I think could help you, and that is that the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, is what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. In other words, it's saying, with the Holy Spirit, you need to understand, he's never going to force anything in and through and out of you. He's not going to make you do weird stuff. He's not going to make you act weird at all. That, 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 that the Holy Spirit is not going to overwhelm your faculties and make you do silly stuff. That's not how he operates. That's not the purpose that he was given for. Are you with me? And so you can, like, if you're sitting here like, oh my God, this guy's going to talk about the Holy Spirit and I heard these people are weird. Number one, I'm not any more weird with the Holy Spirit than I am without him. <laughs> I can't really say that I'm not weird, but I can say that my weirdness is not because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you take him away, I'm still weird. Right? <laughs> and, so, and so the Holy Spirit's not going to, so just, just relax and understand, God will, God will always let you set the boundaries of your relationship with him. And if you don't want him, he's not going to jump in your life, right? He, he will always let you do that. You can keep him out as much and as long as you want to, right? And so, so Jesus is saying, hey, you don't need to worry about this. Don't be afraid. This is a good thing. This is the, the Holy Spirit. See, I, I think it's Satan that actually wants to use some well-intentioned people and some things to make us. A.W. Tozer said this. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, I will not be scared out of my birthright. I will not be scared out of my heritage. I want all that God has for me. It's kind of interesting because a lot of times when you study church history, uh, sometimes there are denominations that seem to shy away from the Holy Spirit. I'm not judging them. I've, I've been. I understand what they say they believe, right? It's interesting because when you look at how those denominations started, they all started out of a move of God that, that had the fire and power of the Holy Spirit, right? Like, have you ever heard of Methodist? Okay, John Wesley, ever heard of that guy? Yeah. Um, do you know what he said when people said, how are all these miracles and signs and wonders and Holy Spirit stuff happening? And this is what John Wesley said. If you'll let God set you on fire, people will come and watch you burn. That's how it started. 
I'm just saying that, 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 that it might freak us out if we study church history to find how active the Holy Spirit is when there's significant things that, that are Dwight L. Moody, um, D.L. Moody used to, used to preach and nothing happened and no one showed up. And then he went to this church and these little ladies pulled him in the back room and said, have you ever received the Holy Spirit? To which he said, I don't guess so. Now he was saved. We'll talk about more of this next week. And he said they started praying and he felt like, like this warm liquid love overwhelm his body in waves. And he said after that, anytime he started preaching, thousands of people just showed up and got saved. It didn't change the message, but it changed the messenger. So... So A.W. Tozer said, I want all that God has for me. So, so Jesus says there's this promise. What is the promise? There's this baptism. That word means immersion. But he's not talking about with water. These, these guys were already baptized with water. So he's talking about an immersion in something else. In fact, um, ironically, when we talk about what we would call a baptism with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit, um, there are only a few things that are in all four Gospels. The reason is three of them are synoptic, and then there's John's Gospel. In other words, three of them are similar. They cover similar time periods, like they have the birth of Jesus, and then they kind of jump to um, the last year of Jesus' ministry, where John more focuses on the first two years of Jesus' ministry. So they're not all covering the same ground. But things there are only a few things because of that that are in all four Gospels. The death of Jesus or death, resurrection of Jesus, right? The birth of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's in all four Gospels. Because in all four Gospels, it's going to be talked about. And John says, he says, hey, when he's baptizing with water, he distinguishes something. They're like, hey, you're baptized. He's like, yeah, I'm baptizing with water, but there's someone coming after me whose sandals I can't latch, and he's going to baptize you with fire. Now, we try to make these, sometimes in church, they try to make them the same thing. I don't know about you, but to me, there seems to be a marked difference in water and fire, yeah. right? Like, I, I understand that sometimes we, we I, my, here's my concern. Are we reading the Bible to try to make it fit into what we want to believe? Or are we reading the Bible to try to learn what to believe? There you go. Right? And, and, and so, so he says, hey, this, this guy's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, Scripture talks about three baptisms. And I don't have time to teach this, but I want to show you this. And so they're going to put this up on the screen. But there are three baptisms in Scripture, right? Um, the first one, and, 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 and these are the Scripture references, and I would encourage you. I've taught on this at length, but I would encourage you to go read it for yourself, right? Just so you know that I'm not making anything up. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Here's the second thing. Um, Matthew 28, Great Commission says the disciple baptizes us in water. And then what we just talked about with Jesus, uh, the third one is it says that Jesus baptizes us in or with the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I putting these up here and showing three baptisms? Now, I could show you in the Old Testament, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. That's salvation. They passed through the Red Sea. That's water baptism. They went to Mount Sinai where God's power by his spirit rested. A cloud came down on the mountain which was the beginning of Pentecost, which was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. So there's three baptisms, 
right? Um, John said there are three in heaven and agree and three on earth and agree, the blood, the water, and the spirit. The blood, the water, and the spirit. Three baptisms, right? Now, here's why I wanted to put this up here this way, because if you read this, people will say, oh yes, we are baptized into the body or baptized into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We're drawn to him. Yes, that's salvation. And people say, then we're baptized in water by a disciple. And then we'll take what Jesus talks about, which we see through all the gospels, throughout the New Testament, that we're baptized, that Jesus baptizes in or with the Holy Spirit, and people will say, well, no, 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 that means the same thing as the first one. So I don't want to try to argue with you theologically. I would like to present an argument of grammar, right? No, put those back up there. Put them back up there for me. I'm sorry. Because here's why. The object, the subjects and the objects change in all of these. So I don't need theology Let's just look at sentence structure. And I don't grammar well, but I understand this, right? I'm math well, but I don't grammar well. I've heard like four out of, four out of three people don't grammar well. Anyways, but look at this. The first one, who is doing the baptizing? The Holy Spirit. Who is he baptizing you in? Jesus. So, so the subject is the Holy Spirit. The object is Jesus. Second one, who's doing the baptizing? The disciple. Who they're baptizing you in or with? With water, right? Subject, object. Now this last one, who's doing the baptism? Jesus. Who's he baptizing you in or with? Okay. The Holy Spirit baptizing you in Jesus and Jesus baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Could we all agree that doesn't seem like it could be the same thing? Just grammatically. Right? By the way, if you study it in Greek, you're going to get to the same conclusion. So, because I know somebody right now, well, Pastor, it wasn't written in English, it's written in Greek. Go study it in Greek, you'll get to the same conclusion. And so, this is what I want you to understand is the Bible teaches three baptisms. Let me, sh- let me show you this. By the way, I'll read that in a minute. Um, Acts chapter 19, let me, let me, let's read this together. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, um, Paul encounters in Acts chapter 19 a group of about 12 or so uh, believers, and he has an interesting conversation with us. The Apostle Paul, can we all agree that the Apostle Paul had really good theology? Since most of our theology is built on his writings, could we just agree that, that, that he, he was really smart? Okay, so he's probably not confused about what he's talking about. Right? And so Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took a road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And here he found some disciples and asked him, Look at this question. They are disciples. What does that mean? They are followers of Jesus. And he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All right? Well, that, okay, that could mean a lot of things, maybe. All right? Then they answered, No, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They went to some churches that I've heard about. Right? Didn't even know there was one. And so Paul asked, then what? Because now he's like, okay, I need to make sure that you are who you, you know. So what baptism? They said, we received John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized, or his baptism was a baptism of repentance. And, and we know that was in water. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him. And that is in Jesus, right? So Paul's given good theology. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues, which is the number one thing the enemy uses to keep people away from the Holy Spirit. Because we don't understand tongues. Right? I don't understand a lot of things. Do you, do you, hey, 
draw me a diagram and write me an essay on how your car works, especially the onboard Wi-Fi. I don't know how it works, but do you believe in it? Do you see air right now? Are you breathing it? The Holy Spirit spoke in tongues and prophesied there's about 12 men. And so, and so here we have, Paul says, what happened? They said, well, we repented. We were baptized in water. And Paul said, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? We, we didn't know there was anything else. Oh, yeah. And then he lays hands on them and power comes. So, let's, so just because it freaks people out, let's take tongues out right there. Not out of the Bible, but just for, to help you calm down. Take tongues out, take prophesied out, and just say, all of a sudden there was this power, right? And, and I know what people say, well, the, you know, that was, what, that was for them back then. That, that promise, that was, that was for them back then. Okay, well, let's see what Peter said on the day of Pentecost on who, who the power up is for. Acts 2.38, he said, by the way, watch this. He said, repent and be baptized. There's salvation, water baptism, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Watch this. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's all three. All three, right there. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Who's it for? Everyone. Do you have to have it? No, no. You don't have to have chocolate cake either. Now, here's what I want to say because people say, well, you know, it's them and them. Okay, so Acts chapter, we see, we see what we would call a baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see it four times or four places in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of the day of Pentecost. That's where Peter stands up and 3,000 people are saved, right? Acts chapter 8 is another another instance with um, a group of Jews and that is five years after Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 10 is where the Holy Spirit comes to the Gentiles. That is 10 years after Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 19 where we just read Paul said, hey, what did you receive? 25 years after Acts chapter 2. Because people think, oh, well, this, this lasts for a little time, and it's, it's, not, it's gone now. 25 years later. Why? Because this promise is to you, to your children, and to all who will come. All the Lord will call. Are you, are you with me? Here's the second thing. And I have to hurry because I don't talk fast enough. Or I, th- I don't know. The clock moves so fast. Second thing, the success of your mission is largely dependent upon receiving the power up. That's what I believe. Jesus emphasizes weight, right? We talked about this weight. Why why do I need to wait? Because either it's going to be easier with the Holy Spirit or it's going to be impossible without him. Wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it's what he said. Why? Because you'll receive power. What do I need the power for? So you can do what I've asked you to do. So you will be my witnesses. See, the Holy Spirit was given given to us to enable us. See, Jesus never gives a command he doesn't empower. God will never ask you to do something he doesn't empower you to do. And he will never ask you to do something you can do in your own power. If you can do without God what God has asked you to do, I'm going to help you with something. That's not your calling. Because God will not ask you to do something you can do in your power 
but he will ask you to do something you can't and empower you, right? God, God, anytime he commands something, he, he empowers it. Let me, he says, be holy. And then the Bible says we're partakers of his holiness. He says, be righteous. And the Bible says Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So, so whether we're talking character, nature, calling, doesn't matter. God empowers whatever he commands. And so if God says, go into all the world, he's going to say, that's probably impossible for you to do. So I'll have to empower it. So you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? So, because it, this is what he said. It's so hard to tell people about me without power. And so many times people will come to me and they'll say, you know what? I just wish, I wish that I could witness. I wish that I could tell people about Jesus. And here's what I would say. It's going to be really hard to do without the power to do it. Right? Because the number one mark of the Holy Spirit is not tongues. That's one of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot more gifts than that that are empowered by the Holy Spirit we see in Scripture. And we focus on tongues and we throw the the Holy Spirit out because we don't like tongues. Right? Or we don't understand it. Or it makes us nervous. But the number one mark of the Holy Spirit, the reason he was given, was boldness. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples are, are, they're closed up in a room. They've been threatened. Stop preaching the gospel. We're going to kill you. And they're in a room. They're like, we don't know what to do. And they're praying. And the Bible says when they had finished praying. You want to know why we gather at 6 a.m. on Tuesday, 6 a.m. on Thursday, 9 a.m. on Saturday? You know why we gather? It said when they had finished praying. There are things that don't happen until you finish praying. When they had finished praying, the place where they were was shaken. They were all filled with the Spirit and went out and proclaimed the Word of God with what? Boldness. So, so, so this is the success of our mission depends on receiving the power up. Here, here's the third thing. You can't separate the power up from the person. Now, here's my burden for this message, really. Is I, I'm afraid, and, and, and I've witnessed, but, but afraid, that with a lot of believers, we want the power, but the person makes us nervous. Because we've heard ghost stories. I want to do, I did a, a, a series on the Holy Spirit called Friend Request, but I, but I almost called it Ghost Stories. Because people, if you've been in church, you've got some ghost stories, right? The Bible, if you go King James, is the Holy Ghost. The word's really pneuma or breath or spirit. And so it probably more accurately should be Holy Spirit. But for whatever reason, the original translators, when they gave us the first King James Version, used Holy Ghost. And so people have ghost stories. And what I mean by that is they have scary stories about the Holy Spirit, about things they observed, things they witnessed, things they don't understand, things that don't make sense to them. And because of that, I think a lot of denominations, a lot of churches have tried to separate. And and here's the problem. Once you move the person out, you move the power out. You cannot have the power without the person. He said, you will receive power. Oh, I want power. How does that happen? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You cannot receive power without the Holy Spirit. You can't have the power without the person. And I'm wondering if if perhaps today, maybe the church has been stifled in some ways because we don't understand all there is to understand about the Holy Spirit. We don't understand some of his workings and ways. I remember God saying something like, my ways are higher than your ways. 
my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, maybe, maybe I could put it in my language. I'm infinite in my thinking and you're very finite in your thinking. And so the chances of you really understanding everything the way that I think and how I do it probably won't happen un- until we meet face to face in glory, right? And t- until this thing. So, so maybe we could just trust him, right? And, and so, so, but my, my concern is, my concern is that we tried to separate and you can't have the power without the person. See, the promise was actually a person who is powerful powerful, not a power. Are you with me? The promise was a person, not a power. The, the Holy Spirit's not a mystical force, right? It, it, was a, it was a promise of a person. In fact, John 15, 26 says, but when the helper comes, that's a noun, that's a person, right? When the helper comes whom I will send, this is Jesus talking, by the way, so I have on good authority that this is probably truth since he was truth. When the helper comes, I will send you, I, I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from me. Look at this. He, he will bear witness about me. Why does he give us, why does he give us boldness to witness? Because that's what he does. He will bear witness about me. He's going to always glorify the Son. He's going to always glorify God, right? And so he's going to bear witness about me. He, 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 not it. He, he, he's a person. And the person is powerful. And you can't have the person's power without the person. Are, are you with me? Not only is that, is, is he a person, but he is good. Remember Luke 11? If you being good, or if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your father, how much more your heavenly father will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So in other words, he's good. So he's a person and he's a good person. Are, are you with me? And then, and then here's one for you. The Holy Spirit is actually God. So if you were in, and I'm not trying to, I understand this happens. This is what your experience. People say, you know, you need to stay away from the people that talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you what they just told you. Stay away from people who talk about God. Acts chapter 5. I'll just prove it to you from Scripture. This is where Ananias and Sapphira lie. They sell land, and they want to make it look like they were given more money than they were giving. It was theirs to give. It didn't matter. But they basically said, we're going to give all of our money, but then they held back part. Right? And, and so Peter, I mean, the Holy Spirit reveals it to Peter. And Peter says to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Look at this, to lie to who? To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after you sold it, wasn't it yours to decide what you wanted to do to? Why is it that you have looked, that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? I thought he said he lied to the Holy Spirit. And they lied to God. Peter, who again, pretty solid in his theology, seemed to believe that God and the Holy Spirit were the same person. We believe in a triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but, but their individual titles speak to their individual functions as God, to the types of things that he does and the time in which he does them, right? So he's a person. This is what I want you to understand, is, 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 is that you can't separate the person from the power, and if the, enemy, if the enemy is warring against you, against the person of the Holy Spirit and, and against, against believing in him or receiving something from him, all he's trying to do is to, because here's what he knows, as long as you push the Holy Spirit away, you're pushing away the power up. As long as you push him away, you're not going to receive power. And, and, and Jesus believed, said, we needed the power for our mission. And the enemy's always trying to stop your mission. So what does he do? He hangs up scarecrows in the field where the Holy Spirit hangs out. 
and says, no, no, stay back. Here's this dead crow hanging upside down. If you get by the Holy Spirit, you may be dead hanging upside down, right? Sounds like some service I've been in. But I'm sorry, I'm, that's bad. Anyways, um, but, but, but are, are you, and, and, and what he's trying to do is scare us. Listen, can I just be very honest? I would never want to try to do this without him. And can I also be very honest? You would never want me to do this without him. Right? And here's what I'd say. I know, I know how weak I am. And I know all the issues that I have. And I know the fears that I have and the anxieties that I have. And, and I know sometimes that I deal with my own set of, of, of issues. And, 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 and I know that in and of myself, I can't even get on this platform and tell you this. And it is because of that that I rely on him. Because I need him to do this. I need him to do what he's asked me to do. And I wouldn't want to try to do it without him. And I know if I did, I couldn't even be effective. I, I couldn't do it. And so to me, I don't, I don't want to, to look at the things about God I don't understand and push him away. Because I don't understand something. What I want to do is pull him close and say, hey, the Holy Spirit says that he would teach me. So maybe instead of pushing the Holy Spirit away because he apparently speaks in tongues, I could pull him close because he's a great teacher. And he will guide me in all truth. And my concern is so many times we try to separate the works of the Holy Spirit. Like I'm okay with his fruit, but I'm not okay with his gifts. I'm okay, kind of like we talked about last week, with him leading me, but I don't want to, to worry about the power. And what I'm saying is, you don't get God in pieces. That's not how that works. Here's the last thing that you can write down. Is that this, there's one power up, but many applications. Right? This is what 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. One power up, many applications. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And so here, here's what the Bible says, that with the Holy Spirit comes all of these, I'll say it this way, abilities, right? And when you read, I mean, when, when we see spiritual gifts in the Bible, you can see them all throughout the Bible. You can see them in Ephesians 4. That's, they, they call those, that's kind of your, your proclaiming gifts, the pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, apostle, right? And, and then in, in, in Romans chapter 12 are your, um, they call them your motive gifts, like serving, hospitality, um, leadership. This, and, the, and then in 1 Corinthians 12 is where we talk about, where the, most people call those the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's words of wisdom, words of faith. Uh, I mean, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, that's faith. I mean, working of miracles, I mean, all, all those types of things. And, and, but here's the thing I need you to understand is that, that with this one person comes this whole arsenal of, of capability, right? It's like someone tried to tell me one time, they said, you're an apostle. Well, I mean, if I take a spiritual gifts test, which we give you in first step, I'm going to always hit apostolic in my gifting because I always start stuff. 
but they were wanting me to go take over some other church because I was an apostle. I said, you don't understand. I'm Marty. Marty has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Marty has a lot of capabilities and things that aren't his, but the Holy Spirit stewards them to him, and then he has a responsibility to steward them toward the body. So I'm not going to go take over somebody's church or something like that. That would be stupid. But yes, if you, if you, like right now, you're watching a gift. This is a gift that I have that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. I don't say that arrogantly. I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. Gifts, uh, by the way, when you talk about gifts, they're all from the root word charis. In fact, it's charismata. In other words, it's gifts by the grace of God. It's God's goodness. So I didn't ask for this. I didn't earn it. It's something that God gave me the same way God gives you a spiritual gift. But what you're watching today in, in this church is you're watching one spirit give a lot of capabilities because over there, there's someone with an extreme gift of patience in the toddler class teaching the gospel. Are you with me? And there are people of gifts, prophetic gifts and, and worship gifts and song gifts, and they were leading us in worship. And there are people with hospitality gifts and serving gifts, right? And they are serving us. And so there are gifts of leadership happening, right? So, so all what you have is a bunch of people that gathered today, over 200 people today that will serve. I mean, over 100 people that today will serve on our serve team, all gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit with these capabilities that he brings. And none of them look exactly the same. Some of them kind of look similar, right? No one else is going to preach today. It's not that they can't, but today this is the gift that I'm using today, right? If I'm not using this gift today, I'll go use a different gift tomorrow. But but here's what I'm saying. It's one spirit with a lot of different applications. And I, I even personally believe that when you read these lists, Ephesians 4, uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, I don't think they're all inclusive, I don't think they cover everything. I think that the Holy Spirit can anoint any talent or ability or gifting that God has given us. In fact, when you read Exodus 31 verse 1, it says, then Moses said, look, or God said to Moses, look, I've specifically chosen Bezalel, cool names from the Bible. Anyway, son of, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of least filled him with the Spirit of God. Look at this, giving him great wisdom, great ability, and I gave him an expertise in all kinds of crafts. It's a spiritual gift. God empowered something about him. The Holy Spirit filled him and empowered him with wisdom and ability and, and made him crafty. Right? And when I work with some of our tech guys, they are anointed with craftiness. Right? And I watch some of the guys that take care of our facilities and I think they are anointed with craftiness. That is their, that's one of their gifts, right? And you just need to understand that, that, that he's one person, but he has a lot of applications. The last thing I want to tell you is the power up lasts until the level is completed. And the reason I say this is because a lot of people say that the gifts of the Spirit or, or that the work of the Holy Spirit in certain ways, kind of always interesting, it's just certain ways. Um, yes, Lord. And... and <laughs> A certain way, I think God was saying my time was up. Um, but, but in certain ways, uh, they, 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 they ceased. They ceased. And we call this sensationalism. The, the, the works or the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased. And, and here's what I want to say to that, because the Bible actually speaks very clearly to this. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that there will be one event where all gifts will cease. And that event is when we stand face to face with Jesus. When will all the gifts cease? When we stand face to face with Jesus. 
Until then, they won't cease. The reason you don't need a gift of evangelism when you're standing face to face with Jesus, right? Like you're turning, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Yeah, he's like, he's like right over there, you know, having a, having a milkshake. You know, it's like, it's, you see what I'm saying? Like, like in the glory of God's kingdom, when all has been renewed and restored, you don't need a gift of evangelism at that point. We're all gonna behold him as he is, right? And so, but, but until that time, we need the power-ups. Are you with me? And since the Bible tells us clearly this is when they stop, then until that time, they must be in force. They, they must be in effect. They must be in play. And we're back to, if Jesus told us to wait, it must mean that either it gets easier with the gift of the Holy Spirit or it's impossible to do without the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm telling us, church is that I think God's called us to do amazing things. And here's what I can tell you. We cannot do it. Can't do it without him. We can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, which means we can't do it without the person of the Holy Spirit. Like we're going to have to get comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about getting streamers and tambourines. No, no, no. That's a great thing to do at home. If you're a streamer and tambourine person, that's private worship, right? I mean, that's intimate worship. There's a way that I'm intimate with my wife that I wouldn't do on this platform or in this room, right? I, we save that stuff for home. And what I'm saying is you may have that intimate relationship where you have banners and streamers and, and that kind of stuff. Save that for you in God's private time because we don't want to cause chaos and confusion in the house of God, okay? The Holy Spirit, we don't believe, interrupts the Holy Spirit. He's never going to, we're not going to have someone, you know, interrupting what, what God has already put in, in place. So, so I, can, I can tell you this, that we will always keep our church safe and we will always teach people and help them to learn uh, about the Holy Spirit and how he works and that he doesn't interrupt himself and, and, and that type of thing. So, so my, my team and I will take care of that, right? But I'll say kind of like my grandfather used to preach. Sometimes I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire. Right? Like, like it'd be okay. Like, you know, if we're having no fire or fire, a little wildfire would be okay if we got no fire. And what I'm saying is we as a church are going to have to get comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God's called us to do things that go beyond the norm. Listen, if we just wanted to stay in this room and pray, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. That'd be Acts chapter 4, right? They were in that room, locked in the room. And they were praying, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because their mission was outside of the room. You don't need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in this room. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to go out of this room and preach the gospel, and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. These are all the words of Jesus that they make you nervous. It's okay. It's just his words to you describing the power that he wants to use in your life to expand the rule of his kingdom over the planet, and he wants to use us, and that's why he gave us a really good gift, a power-up, and we need the power-up until the level's complete. Amen? Can you give Jesus praise this morning? Why don't you stand with me? You are awesome.